our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we looked at the pre-engagement examination of the Lord Jesus Christ. In, indeed, it was the very first part. And what we considered there was basically the, the early stages, the testing the, before the actual uh, pre-engagement examination. We noted uh, as follows that one, uh, the Lord himself, the Son of God, the one who, who was the Messiah, the one who is our Lord, who is our King, who was without sin, had to go through his own pre-engagement -exa pre examination. He was tested in every part by Satan before, it was, before he was handed over the authority to get into service. If that happened to him, then definitely we also have to be examined. The second thing we noted was that as a result of this, the Lord Jesus Christ has become our model, has become our pattern, has become the example that we, we now have when it comes to the issue of divine service and even pre-engagement examination. Because we will all have to face that examination if we are going to indeed serve God. And that's why we needed to learn from him. We needed to study what was going on. And the third thing we noted was that the Lord himself, before, he, before facing the main pre-examination, uh, examination, which is what we'll be looking at in this broadcast, had to be tested by, by his father. He had to face that the test. And one of the tests was the, um, his, his submission to authority, submission to parental authority. There was, we, we also mentioned the fact that we will need to submit to parental authority, to spiritual authority, and as well as civil authority. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 13, I believe, verse 1 to 7, that civil government uh, are, are ministers of God for us, even those of us who are uh, spiritual leaders. So we have to submit to spiritual authority, regardless of who is on authority. We, we should not believe, we should not think that we can intimidate authority. We should, we should um, have respect and regard for them. The Bible encourages the, the believer to pray for those who are in authority because God wants them saved. We should pray for them so that we also can lead peaceable lives. The, the other thing that we noted was that the Lord was tested as regards his, um, his response to the demands of the Father, the requirements of the Father. We noted that he told John the Baptist, he said, we, we, need, to, we, we, we need to fulfill all righteousness. And we explained that fulfilling righteousness is not just a casual thing that you do just to say, okay, I did it. No, no, no. To fulfill all righteousness is to do the will of God, is to do what God demands. It is a very crucial part of the, the believer. And then we also saw that in doing the will of the Father, which included going to the cross, that lives, many lives were saved. But when we look at it, particularly in the context of fulfilling righteousness, where John the Baptist's uh, baptism was concerned, we, we saw that as a result of what he did, number one, John the Baptist was able to confirm and affirm that he was indeed the Christ and could tell, the, uh, could tell Israel that. And so as a result, we, we now said that each time we do the will of God, 
we make it possible for millions, for many people to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what, what they do with that afterwards is a different matter. But at least as we do the will of God, it's possible for us to now bring the gospel to the doorstep of many people, thousands, millions, and so on and so forth. In this broadcast, like I said earlier, we are going to focus our attention now on the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the second part of the pre-examination of Jesus. And um, we will begin by looking at two scripture texts which, which uh, mention specifically the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That will be Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. We'll be looking at the first 11 verses in Matthew and then in Luke chapter 4, we'll be looking at the first 14 verses. So I'll read, I'll begin with reading Matthew chapter 4 from verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your feet against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now let's read Matthew chapter 4, which is basically the same thing. But Matthew, um, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 4 rather, uh, with basically the same thing. And here Luke um, may maybe made one or two uh, other references, but it's essentially the same thing. But I, I read all the same. Luke chapter 4, from verse 1 to verse 14. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, You shall give, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, 
and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. So, combining the two um, passages of scripture, let's make some quick notes. And in, the, in these notes, we are discussing the actual pre-engagement examination, the scrutiny by Satan of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are discussing the investigation, the inquisition of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, 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 the scrutiny of his credentials to be able to not just serve God, but to be able to put Satan in his rightful place. You recall that we had said that one of the reasons why the pray uh, engagement examination is essential for Satan is because if you pass that examination, Satan comes under your feet. Satan comes under your authority. You only need to speak the word and Satan cannot but, but, but heed that instruction. So whatever it takes to discredit you before God so that you are not thus authorized, he will do. And that's what he seeks to do during the pre-engagement examination. He seeks to bring you to the place where he can say to God, this guy does not deserve to be given the authority to cast me out, given the authority to, to, to throw me away from a meeting, given the authority to stop me from um, disturbing the people I want to disturb. So what God does is to make sure that we are ready for such an examination by passing us through tests. It's like what happens in our schools, in our school system, especially the, um, the, the high school or, or, or secondary school um, system, where you go through your classes in school, you, you go through normal uh, class examinations and tests, but then... To, at, the, at the end of your, 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 your um, period in school, you now face what is called a general examination. In Nigeria, it is called the, the, the West African School Certificate Examination. I believe in the UK, it will be the General Certificate Exam, the, the GCN. I think in America, is the, is it the, the, the SAT exams or something. I don't know what it's called. So these are the kind of examinations, the general examination that you face. So what we have here is that the, the class setup is like what God does. He teaches, us, he teaches us his word and then he allows us to go through trials and tribulations which are our tests. And by the grace of God, we are expected to pass it. The ones that we don't pass, there's room for retaking. And when we are ready, he will present us for this general examination which comes from Satan because he's confident that we will pass it. And so when we face that examination and we pass it, we are now authorized to be able to do the work of God with the authority of Christ upon us. And so Satan will have no choice but to yield anytime we speak the word. So this is a very critical uh, part, uh, time. So number one that we want to note is that the Lord himself was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. It was not something that just happened. It was, it, it, so the pattern is simple. The Holy Spirit will lead you. The Bible says that he, he returned from the Jordan being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that he was full of was the one that led him into the wilderness 
to be tempted. In the same way, you and I will be led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. This temptation is, is not that the Lord is tempting us, but the Lord seeks to approve us. And the tempter is, is Satan. So the, it's like the general exams that I told you. The general examination, your, your class teacher does not know what, what questions they will set. However, you have been trained and taught enough to be able to uh, uh, take any examination that is coming. And remember, I think I mentioned at one time that our syllabus for this examination is the Word of God. So as long as you are reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, hearing God teach you His Word, and you are leaving that Word, the pre-examination, the pre-engagement examination, you will be able to pass. So if the Lord was led by, 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 by the Holy Spirit to be tempted of the devil, so will you and I. And like I've said, you have to, you have to pass that test. And I think I mentioned at one time, one of the broadcasts before now, the difference between the, the test of God and the temptation of Satan. The test of God is to prepare us, to strengthen us, to build character in us, to enable us to be able to overcome the temptation of Satan. The test of God is there to, 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 to edify, to comfort us, to, to, to enable us to be strong in the faith. The temptation of Satan seeks to discredit us before God. But when we pass that temptation, we are approved of God. God's purpose in both the test and the temptation of Satan is to approve us, to find us approved. Satan's goal in this temptation is to, is to, is to discredit us. But by the grace of God, because we have been living according to the word of God over time, we are now ready to face the temptation of Satan. And by God's grace, we will pass it. Now, when the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted, the Bible says he was driven into the wilderness. The wilderness is an empty place. The wilderness is not a place where uh, you have other people around. So your temptation is, you are going to be alone. You are going to face this thing alone. He was there alone with animals or whatever. He was in, the, in, in, like, like in a desert area, in, in, a, in a forest area, where he was just alone there. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. And the Bible says that at the end of the 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And Satan asked him to turn stone into bread with the precursor, if you are indeed the son of God. Let me note this at this point in time, that many of these questions that seek to challenge us, if you are a child of God, if you are a man of God, you should do this, you should do that. We, we have no business trying to prove to anybody that we are children of God. We know we are children of God. We know we are ministers of God. So what, what do we have to prove to anybody and to Satan for that matter? The Lord Jesus Christ was not ready to engage him in that kind of pettiness of trying to prove that he's the son of God. He knew that he was the son of God. He heard the father say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He heard it at the baptism. He did not need to prove anything. So when he was now challenged, when he was now asked to prove it by turning stone into bread, the Lord Jesus refused. And he said, he made a promise, he said, it is written. He went to the word. He went to the, to the syllabus. He went to the manual. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
But the examination here, the scrutiny here was one, will he do what God has not asked him to do? Even though he could, he could have turned stone to bread. We know that he fed 5,000 and 4,000 at different times with just tokens of bread and fish. He fed them. They were satisfied. So he could do it, but he did not. The question is, just because God is empowering you to do certain things, will you do it against his will? Will you do it when he has not asked you to do anything? These are the, these are the, these are the scrutinies. And the moment you fail, the Satan is the one who will go and tell God and say, look at the man you want to give uh, power to. Look at the man you want to give authority to come and silence me. He is not even going to listen to you. He is going to misuse it. He's going to abuse it. Thank God the Lord Jesus Christ passed that. But we must learn that. That the fact that the power of God is in our hands does not mean that we can use it anyhow. The person, the, the person who has given us that power, who has given us that authority, is the one who will direct how it is to be used. We don't just go to town and because we, say, we think we have it, we begin to misuse it. No. Note, the authority that is given to the believer is delegated authority. It comes from one who gave it to us. We don't have it. And so we cannot use it without the one who gave it to us. The next thing that we note about this particular temptation is that the, the question was, will he use that authority given to him by God for personal benefit? Will I, will, I, will I use it for my personal benefit or will I use it for the benefit of the whole? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe it is, that the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts for the benefit of all, to benefit all. Not for personal aggrandizement, not for personal purposes, not for personal use. It's not for personal enrichment. The, the, today we see all kinds of things and these are not temptations. So these, those, the things that we see that people are failing is tests. It's not even temptation. Where you see somebody just because he's able to heal a, a few headaches here and there now begins to demand that people pay him before he can do that. This I don't know where we get these strange things from. People are now asking people to contribute, to make donations or to give to God a thousand dollars so that their children can be well, so that they can be well, so that they can, their business can prosper. Where do they get these things from? And these are tests. They've not been tempted yet and they are failing. Is it, is it money that God used to save us? The Bible says that we were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, not with silver or gold, something more precious than money. Yet we are telling people to bring money so that they can be healed. What kind of craziness is that? See how people are failing, using, wanting to use, they've not even been given the real authority. The Bible says that if you have not been faithful in what is another man's own, who will give you the true riches? There is, there, 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 there's serious power that God wants to give. But with, with the way people are misbehaving with the small ones that he has given to them, the small ones using to test them, there's no way he's going to give it to them. And Satan is just there rolling. And wondering that, well, I don't even need to do any work. They are already failing the thing. The next thing we want to note about this issue of uh, turning stone to bread is, will he feed his body or will he feed his soul? The Bible says, the Lord Jesus Christ told us, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Bread feeds the body, but the word of God feeds the soul. So the question is, was he going to turn that stone to bread so that he can feed his body? Or would he rather feed on the word of God and feed his soul? Was, I think it was Job who, who, who mentioned, he said, I, I have exalted your word or I have, I've, I've, I've preferred your word more than my necessary food. We must understand 
that the word of God takes preeminence over any other thing. Be it food, be it money, be it a project, the word of God takes preeminence over those things. These are areas of scrutiny that we're going to face. And so God, in, 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 in giving us his word, will be, will be testing us on, are these people more interested in personal aggrandizement? Or are they interested in glorifying me? That is glorifying, glorifying God. The second uh, uh, temptation was, well, Matthew puts it second. Luke puts it last. But the, the other really doesn't matter here. The point is that the Lord Jesus was set on a pinnacle in the temple and was told to, to, to jump. After all, the high place of the temple said jump. The, 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 the Bible says that he, he, he will give you, the, after the word that you are quoting says, that he will give, he will give his, his angels charge over you so that you, you will not dash your feet on the ground. And the Lord Jesus said to him, the Bible also says that you shall not uh, uh, test or tempt the Lord your God. Many of us are tempting the Lord our God. There's, I, I heard of a church in the United States of America where part of their service is to pick snakes with bare hands. And what are they doing? They, they want to prove the scripture that says that you, in, I think that's Mark chapter 16, that you will pick up uh, serpents and it will, not, it, it, it will not harm you. That is tempting God. And I think I read once also that in that church, it, it, the, the leader was, or somebody was beaten by a snake. I heard that in one church in Nigeria here, a lady went as a first-timer. And this first-timer, I don't know how true it is, but that's what, that's what we read, that this first-timer went, when the first-timer came out as a first-timer, they told her that, oh, they will pour kerosene on her and, and strike the match and that she will not catch fire. And then they, 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 they poured, and she was there, and they poured kerosene on her and struck the fire. Of course, her hair was singed, almost half of her body gone by the time they realized that it wasn't going to work. How, how, how do people do this kind of things? This is tempting God. This is tempting God. And, and, and just imagine that. Putting God to the test. To do what? I, 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 there, was, there was a case of a young man many years ago, many decades ago, in the University of Ibadan in those days, who said that he was Daniel. And he jumped into the lion's den in the zoo to prove that indeed he's a prophet of God. The lions ate him. I mean, why, why, why do people take those kind of things? Why do we do those kind of things? Why do we risk those kind of things? People are testing God. And there's so much of testing. We, we need to understand that Israel tested God several times. Until God finally had it and said, enough is enough. He said, these guys are not entering the promised land. It's the same thing we are doing today in many churches. Many pastors are testing God. They are engaging in building projects that God did not ask them to engage in. Just for whatever reason. And they are, they are, they are fleecing the people for funds. Each one wanting to surpass the other in buildings. They should go to Europe and see the big cathedrals as massive as they are, and how empty they are on Sundays. The people who are, who are going to those cathedrals are old people. You don't even find people who are in their 40s or 50s anymore in those churches. They are old people. I heard once of a church in the United States of America where the youngest person who was the pastor was in his 60s. And he, told, uh, he, he confided in another pastor friend of his, who happened to also be my friend, that if one person in his congregation should die, they have to sell off the church because they will not be able to maintain it. And then we are here building massive things. Who will fill them? Who will, who will be there? When we are, and when we are not even teaching people the word of God, all we are doing is just plain spiritual rascality. And we think that we, we have church going. We don't. 
And we are talking of testing. We have not even entered the examination. By the time we enter the examination of Satan, only God knows how many of us will fail. Testing God. Something that God does not want you to give, does not want to give you. You go and look for ways of, of, of getting it. And then you now want to commit God to, 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 to making it good. You now say, oh Lord, you know, I didn't know that this would be the outcome. Please Lord, deliver me. Please Lord, save me. We are testing God. We are testing God. Israel kept testing God test until one day they didn't know that they had scaled the tree beyond the leaves and the branches and they fell flat on the ground. The last temptation was the, the, the issue of the worship of Satan. Satan took the Lord to a mountain, to the mountaintop and showed him the walls, the kingdoms of this world and the glories in a moment of time. One would wonder, how is that possible? It is. Because even in our minds, sometimes we, we, we have... Pictures of grandeur coming into our minds. In a moment of time, sometimes we, we have to catch ourselves wondering what, what are we thinking about. We, we just see, the, we, we begin to visualize ourselves. Some people see themselves preaching to 5 million people and their head begins to swell up in an imagination. That is Satan showing them certain things. And then, after showing that, he now turns to the Lord and says, but I will give this to you because I have been given the authority to have it. We don't, we cannot affirm that. He says, I've been given authority to give it to whoever I want to, and I can give it to you. I just demand one thing, bow down and worship me. And the Lord said, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me. Didn't you read it in the word of God where it is written that you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve? This is the issue. There are many people today who have, I, 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 and honestly speaking, I can't explain it. How does a pastor, a pastor, one who says, that he has been called by God. How does he, because he wants power for miracles, because he wants a big church, because he wants to do some, perform some things, I don't know what, what those things are that he wants to do. He now leaves the service of God, he leaves the place of his service, travels far to the home of a native doctor, to the home of a herbalist, of a juju man, to obtain diabolical powers. To come and serve in the house of God. I can't explain it. I can't understand it. These men have bowed to Satan. That's what they've done. That's what they've done. Let us, let us not get confused. Because you see, we, we live in a strange world. Where people are chasing after miracles today. Let me tell you the truth. There are miracles and there are also lying wonders. Anything that is not of God is a lying wonder. And there are people who are chasing after lying wonders. That is why it is, it is, I cannot even understand it. Why a Christian will pursue miracles? You are a miracle yourself. God wants to make you a miracle worker. And you are there, always eager for miracles. I mean, can you imagine a hospital where all the medical doctors and the nurses are occupying hospital beds for treatment? Patients cannot even come in. That is what is happening. How can Christians... Be the ones always going for deliverance service, always going for miracle service, always going for one program or the other. At crusades, it is Christians who are there looking for one miracle or the other. And may God help our pastors who think that the gospel is all about miracles. No! The, gospel, the truth about the gospel is that man is a sinner and he needs a savior. This savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. If a man would recognize that he's a sinner and repent of his sins, 
the salvation and forgiveness of God, which is offered freely, will come upon him. That is the gospel. And then from then on, he needs to be able to live in a manner that is pleasing to God. And so we must teach that person in our churches. That's the place of the church. To teach these young believers the truth that is in the word of God. Not to be working miracle signs and wonders at every meeting, but to teach them because it's a new life. There are many people in churches today who have not crucified the flesh, including pastors. The flesh is so strong in, this, in, in, in them. They would not even consider what God is saying. The Lord Jesus Christ told Satan to get behind him. Said, God says in his word that he is the only one that should be worshipped. And you are saying to me to come and worship you. Get behind me. Only God is to be worshipped. This, this new penchant of the God of pastor so so and so. The, who, is that, who is that pastor? Who told him that this God, the Father and, and Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ, is his God? Who told him that? To the point that his congregants are the ones now mouthing that the, 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 the God of so so and so, the God of pastor so and so. Where do we get these crazy things from? Has he stopped being the God of the Lord Jesus Christ? Has he stopped being the God of even the congregants who are calling him the God of Pastor so-and-so? This is how we get into idol worship. Now, even when a pastor is wrong, he cannot be corrected. Because we now have scriptures like, Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Where do we get these things from? The Lord Jesus Christ said, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet he loses his soul? He said, What would you give in exchange? your soul. The truth of the matter is that all the kingdoms of this world cannot pay for your soul. So don't let Satan offer you something that is nothing. Because that's what Satan does. He will offer you something that you think, oh, this is something. But in reality, it is nothing. When you, when you come to understand the word of God, you will see that there's nothing that Satan is offering you that means anything. Satan does not offer you anything that means that, that, that has a, a, a meaning for eternity. He will offer you something that the consequence has serious consequence in eternity, negative consequence for eternity. He's going to offer you. So those pursuits of cars, of houses, of jobs, of positions, and other things that make us make our heads swell, and we are worshipping Satan to get those things. Do you know that going to sleep with a man so that you can get something is the same thing as worshiping Satan. Do you know that um, uh, 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 denying the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can get a position is the same thing as worshiping Satan? There are many things that we are doing that is actually Satan worship. When we worship a pastor, we are worshiping Satan. If you cannot worship God and serve him alone, all you, all you know is how to worship and reverence a man. You are an idol worshiper. The Bible says that covetousness is the same thing as idolatry. So each time you are seeking to covet what God does not want to give you or what your neighbor has, you are already engaging in idol worship. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4 verse 4, it says, adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? That is, is hostility against God. It says, if a man therefore desires... To be a friend of the world. He's not yet a friend of the world, but he desires to be a friend of the world. He's an enemy of God. Brethren, do not engage in the worship of Satan in any shape or form. Worship God and him alone should you serve.
serve, even when you are serving men, you serve as unto the Lord. Even those of us who have gainful employment outside of ourselves, we should recognize that it is God we are serving in those places of employment. So when your boss tells you to do something that is contrary to the word of God, you know that God is not asking you to do that. You are there at that point in time as a testimony against your boss in telling him that, no, my spiritual convictions do not allow me to do it. Even in a church, you can tell your spiritual authority, provided what is asking you to do is contrary to the word of God, say, sir, I can't do it. I can't do it, sir. And you do it with respect. You're not going to insult him with respect. I'm not going to worship Satan. Simple as that. Now, so the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ ended. His pre-engagement examination ended. And the Bible records that at the end of the examination, the Lord was comforted by angels. In fact, the Bible says that he was empowered by the Spirit and his fame spread abroad. He didn't have to do banners. He didn't have to do handbills. He didn't have to do any of those things, billboards or whatever. His fame, the Holy Spirit spread his fame all over the place after he had done. Because now he had been empowered. He had been, he had been given the authority to now go out there and do whatever it is that heaven wanted him to do. To be able to cast out demons, to be able to throw Satan off, and to be able to serve God acceptably. He had now been thus empowered. The, 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 the pressure of the, of the temptation, of the examination, was, was soothed upon him by the angels that surrounded him. He had overcome. By the grace of God, you and I shall also overcome. We will have angels succoring us by the grace of God. We will be empowered to throw out Satan without having to roll up sleeves, without having to sweat. Just by speaking the word, he will be cast out. The fame of us will go around the world. Doesn't mean that people are, our heads will swell up. No. People will know that the, the word of God, the power of God, the authority of God is upon this person. The Bible records that when the Lord Jesus Christ taught, the people themselves acknowledged that he taught as one who had authority. He did not teach like the Pharisees who did not have authority. He taught as one who had authority. Finally, I want us to note that the devil left him. The Bible says, after the temptation, the devil left him for a season. In fact, one, one translator puts it, he left him for an opportune time. And we know that he found many opportunities in the course of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I mentioned it before, that the pre-engagement examination is not, does not mean, the fact that you have scaled and passed it, does not mean that Satan is not going to come back. He's going to come back. Now you have the authority to deal with him. So all that he's looking for now is how to make sure that you take off, that, that you are not able to use that authority over him for too long. Adam and Eve, Adam's pre-engagement examination came to a screeching halt on the first try, which was food, eating of the forbidden fruit. He ate it without question. I mean, I don't understand how he did it or why he could have done it that way. I'm sure his wife must have had a strong hold on him, strong influence on him. And Satan has a way of using people to, to, to do his bidding. It was Eve that was used. Eve was tempted. She ate the fruit. And the Bible says she gave it to her husband. And the husband didn't question anything. He ate it. He's, he, that was the end of the temptation. He had failed on the first one. And he failed so badly that his failure went through the human race to the point that today 
all men are born, men and women, they are born sinners and now need the salvation of God. And thank God for the plan of God to bring the Lord Jesus Christ to die for the sins of mankind. And thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ that in his own pre-engagement examination, he passed. Beloved, I want to sound a note of warning here that in our own pre-engagement examination, a number of times, each time we fail this pre-engagement examination, we actually may be affecting a, a, a generation or generations to come. So we must take it seriously. It's not just for ourselves. It's also for those who are yet unborn. Those who are, who, whom God wants to use us to touch. I also want us to note that if you have passed the Lord's testing, you, 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 sorry, if, if you, if you cannot pass the testing of the Lord, you cannot pass Satan's temptation. So the testing of the Lord is the home front. And many people are here complaining about tests. Oh, why is it like this? I, I look at people who don't even know God. They are prospering. We are not prospering. Those are tests. And we are failing. What happens when Satan comes to tempt us? That is why many people, including those who are ministers, even with large churches, they have not yet faced the temptation of Satan. That is why they have not yet been empowered. And so you see them looking for power elsewhere. Because they, they have not gone through the process. There are so many people who don't want to go through this pre-engagement examination process. The process begins with your understanding of the word of God, that is, with your knowing the, the, the word of God, with your living by the word of God, with your having your, your faith in God being firmly rooted and established. And you're living by the word of God. And you'll be tested in many ways. Someone would, would, would insult you and God will tell you to keep quiet. You keep quiet. Sometimes you, 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 you speak without your keeping quiet and God will say to you, you go, you go and tell that person that you are sorry. So you, 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 you have to face the, 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 the tests. You will repent. Sometimes you have to do restitution. You have to go through the grind. We've discussed this in, in, in previous um, uh, 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 broadcasts. I think we, we mentioned once that even after all the sanctification and consecration, you will still need to deal with issues that you have not yet dealt with. That is why some people who are still who are yet to deal with issues from the past. It is when this, when they are nudging the place where they would even be, before they even come near the pre-engagement examination, those things creep up. And they are just stuck there. It just holds them, paralyzes them. They can't do anything. Even when they are preaching, it doesn't mean anything. Because that thing has come up. So you need to deal with those things before they become issues in your life. It is after all of that, and you have passed the test of God, that God will now, it is God who will present you for the examination. You can't go for that examination yourself. God will present you for the exam. It is not, uh, like, like, like they say, it's not a, a loaf of bread examination. These are serious stuff. Because it's a matter of eternity. It's a matter of life and death in eternity that we are discussing here. So it is incumbent on us to take every trial and tribulation that comes from God as Something to overcome. We must, we must look at the word of God. How does God want me to conduct myself in this particular instance? And conduct ourselves according to the word of God. We should be sensitive, alive to the voice of the spirit of God. Who is nudging us and speaking to us. And we will overcome. 
But if we discard the Holy Spirit and discard the word of God, we're finished. In fact, we just become like food to Satan. And I hear that uh, uh, cats, I don't know how true it is, but when a cat catches a mouse, it doesn't kill it at all at once. It will continue to play with it, play with it, until when the mouse is tired and unable to do anything, then it finally tears the mouse to bits. So when we, God forbid, that if we should enter into Satan's trap and we fail, that is what he will do. He will just be tossing us all over the place until we are tired and then he pounces. Look at Samson. What happened to Samson? Samson was playing with his life. He didn't know. He thought he was, he was okay. He was able to carry gates. He was able to kill people. He was able to, you know, do... The power was still there. And so he thought that this was it until the day that Satan, through his agents, the, the Philistines, came and, and arrested him after he had he had vomited his, his, his secrets to a woman, to Delilah. The Bible says they plucked out his eyes. They bound him in fetters and threw him into their prison. And he began to grind. Instead of working for God, he was now working for the, for the devil. He was bound. A man who was given the power to bring freedom to so many is now bound. The other day, a pastor was, was recorded saying that he was going to divorce his wife because he has a second wife. I mean, some of these things, are they, they, they stink to the ears. And the church were there. And I'm sure people are still in that church. And you're wondering, what are they doing there? Is that even a church? And these are people who, who will be hyperventilating. Yet they have such secrets, strong, deep, deep secrets. And, 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 and people, people want to keep quiet. When you face temptation, said it before, what is going to help you is what God is telling you. It's the word of God, written and spoken. It's not what you think. It's not how you feel, but the word of God. It therefore is incumbent that you need to be able to hear from God. You cannot want to hear from God when you want to get married. Only when you didn't want to hear from God on simple things like wake up at this time and pray. On simple things like read chapter so and so, verse such and such. I want to speak to you. You, you are not interested in that. But when it comes to marriage, you want to hear from God. How can you hear from him? Hearing from God is about the character of God, the nature of God. Because Satan can also mimic the voice of God. We, we, we've looked at that before in the course of this broadcast, some past editions ago. You need to be able to, hear, be able to hear from God. If you cannot hear from God, you are going to fail miserably the examination. Perhaps that is why you are not yet in line for the process of the pre-engagement examination. And many a times... When we find out that we are not yet in line for that process, we are too much in a hurry. And then we want to take shortcuts. Let me tell you something. As far as the work of God is concerned, there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. There's nothing like a, a man who had known God from the age of six and then at 40 or at 30, he's performing signs and wonders. He's doing this, doing that. Don't, don't be deceived. The man, that six-year-old has to grow up. He has to grow up mentally and has to grow up physically and has to grow up spiritually then when he has satisfied god's tests he can now be presented for the exam god is not going to present a man that will disgrace him do you know that it was god that presented job for the exam when satan came and was boasting that he had been all over the place and people have been falling left right and center god said have you seen job that he's a, he's a, he's, he's a perfect man he's unsolid and satan said he does job fear you for any for, for nothing for nothing you have secured him. You have given him this. God said, okay. All that he has is in your hands. But you can't touch him. 
And Satan scattered everything of Job. And then God said, did you see that Job maintained his integrity? Satan said, it is because it didn't touch his body. Let me touch his body, then you see him curse you to your face. God said, okay, but you can't kill him. Why don't touch the body? And all kinds of sores came upon Job. And Job blessed God. Even when his wife was there to tempt him to curse God, Job said to the wife, you are behaving like one of those foolish women. Shall we not receive good from God and receive evil from him? What a guy. Today, the moment one small thing happens, oh, what is going on? Ah, somebody will say, I had a dream. I saw a coffin. Did they put your name on the coffin? Did you see yourself in the coffin? What is it? You saw a coffin, so what? I heard once of a minister, a, a, a deacon, who called his pastor at 2 a.m. Say, pastor, there's fire on the mountain. What is the fire on the mountain? The, the house help is a witch. And I wonder, why you, you're a deacon? You can't cast out a demon. You can't cast out a, a, a demon from a witch in your house. You have to call your pastor at 2 a.m. These are the kind of leaders that we are raising. Leaders who are not, who, who don't know God. Leaders who don't know the word of God. Leaders who cannot hear from the Holy Spirit. And we say they are leaders. Imagine the kind of followers they are raising. Be careful. Temptation, when it comes, you need to hear from God. The written word is there. The spoken word is there. And always remember, the spoken word can never contradict the written word. The written word is the standard. So don't tell us that you heard a voice that told you to do something that the written word did not approve. You must always check with the written word. That's why you read the Bible, so that you have it stored. Remember, you are not going to be able to pass uh, uh, even a test by depending on your thoughts and your feelings. No, you will fail. You need to hear from God on what to do at every point in time. In fact, this is the time when Christians must understand that what God desires is a personal relationship with them, not with their pastor. God does not want you to have a relationship with your pastor like you are having. He wants you to have a relationship with him. The Lord Jesus Christ said, come unto me. On the, on the last day in, in, in John chapter 7, he said, if you are hungry, if you are still thirsty, after all of this celebration, come to me. You've been going for programs and you, and you, you are not satisfied. Come to God. Go to Christ. It is only when you have scaled the temptation of Satan that you will be empowered for service. Before then, you can be filled with the Spirit of God. But after then, you are going to be empowered to serve God. The authority, the ability to serve God is now given to you. Regardless of your sanctification, your consecration, your devotion, your dedication to God, just like the Lord who was born without sin, who lived a sinless life, you also will certainly be scrutinized. You will be investigated. You will be closely examined. You will be probed intensely and you will be proven before the Lord by Satan. And my prayer is that God will be our helper when that time comes. When we succeed, God will cover us with his spirit. He will envelope us in his spirit. That's what we call the, the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, which is for divine service. The infilling is to build us, to build in us character. The coming upon is to envelope us, wrap us around in the spirit so that we can serve God in the spirit. Beloved, there's no doubt that even as we speak now, you're probably filled with the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to divine service, you will need to be empowered. You will need the ability, the miraculous enablement of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, he said, uh, 
But you shall receive power. That's the miraculous power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me. Yeah, to me rather. In Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria. And to the end of the earth. You will not be able to serve. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But the feeling is there. To build a new character. To put the nature of God in you. To kill the flesh. I'm not talking of subduing. I mean to mortify. To make, to render the flesh impotent. And ineffective and ineffectual. That's what the infilling does. It comes to fill you. So that the work of righteousness can be done in your life. So that you can now work righteously. But when the coming upon takes place. It is to come upon you. To serve God. In the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2. The Bible tells us how the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the upper room, 120 of them, each one of them. The Bible says they, they saw cloven tongues of fire upon their heads and they spoke with tongues, tongues of men that people could understand. People could understand them speaking their languages, languages they never learned before. The supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And that day, Peter preached a, a sermon unprepared. But because it was the Spirit of God in him, he preached that sermon. And at the end of the, at the, end of the message, 3,000 souls were won to the Lord. And there were people who still were not won to the Lord. So let's not think that because I'm now empowered, everybody must come to God. No. And the 3,000 that came, all of them now put hands together and began to teach them. That is why the church is there. The church is not there to be working miracles. The church is not a place where we sit down to take care of ourselves, like I gave you the illustration, where doctors and nurses are treated. No! Doctors and nurses want to treat people. We are there. We are in church to learn and then go out to our various places to begin to win souls, to begin to, to, to live for God. By the grace of God, when next we meet, uh, when next we, we, we have our broadcast, which will be the 2nd of October, we will be discussing, God willing, divine service and what it is. Some people think, for example, that to serve God means that you are uh, uh, or, or speaking from a pulpit. But no. We serve God in various ways, in different forms. God will help us to get there. But for now, my plea to you is open yourself up to the test, the testing of God, so that you can sooner be prepared for the pre-engagement examination. And then God can engage you in his service, knowing that you'll be open to him, having overcome Satan. And then each time you speak, Satan will tremble. And he will come. He will still come to scrutinize you. But by the grace of God, the same way the Lord Jesus said, the, the, the prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in me, he will find nothing in you. That's why take this time out to check yourself. Restitute your ways. Change those things that you are yet to address. Go and address them. Those things that you need to restitute, go and restitute them. Let them not sneak up on you tomorrow. God bless you and goodbye.